Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. In the late 1950s, my father bought an old rundown farmhouse in mid Maine. He was an abstract expressionist painter. He painted the landscape. And the landscape of Maine was completely what he had, had been looking for. The house had been uninhabited for well over 25 years. It was in the middle of nowhere. I mean, the closest access to any road was over a mile away. We spent our summers there, and it was a beautiful, beautiful place. There was one outbuilding, which was a barn, sort of your classic New England barn. It was quite large, and it was open in the loft exposed up to the top with beams. My father chose the barn as his studio. And my father had his palette there and his table with all of his colors and his canvases, and there really wasn't much else in there. Maybe some firewood. My brother and I were not allowed to play in his studio, and we were not allowed to go into his studio without his presence. That was his workspace, and it needed to be treated with respect. That was my father's rule. We had some friends visiting one summer. I was about nine. And we liked to play in the dark with flashlight tag, other things like that. So we were running around having a good time. One of my friends when he heard us coming, he fled and went around and went inside of the barn, unbeknownst to us. I remember trying to find my friend. blood-curdling scream coming from the barn. This scream was that of someone being seriously injured. It was my friend. And he came running hysterical. It looked as if all the blood had been drained from his body. It was like he was having some sort of a seizure. Shaking, screaming, crying. He was literally white as a sheet. I remember trying to find some sort of an injury on him and trying to calm him down. My father and the other adults came out of the house. After we were able to calm him down, he said he went into the barn. And he started to hear giggling. 
And then he was violently grabbed. But there was nobody in the barn with him. The boy would not stay. And they had to leave. Those people never came back. It was at that point I realized that there was something wrong with that barn. I just put into place the practice that I only went into that barn during the daytime and I kept the door wide open. One day, my brother and I were going to go and ride our motorcycles. I was 10 years old. At that point, my father had moved us to the house in Maine and we were living there full time and it was uh, pretty austere. So we were sort of packing up kind of a picnic lunch or some water and some food and things to bring. And my father went out to his studio. My father came storming into the kitchen and he seemed to be excessively angry. And he said, what's the rule? What's the rule? He was shouting at my brother and I, what's the rule about the studio? You guys were in there messing around with my stuff. Of course, I said, it wasn't me. And my brother, of course, said, what, what do you mean? And we're going, well, what are you talking about? My father said, come out here. I want you to see this and look at this. So we went out to the barn. Come on. Tubes of paint had been squirted out, and they were stomped on with a serious kind of force. The brushes had been sort of shaken out across one of his canvases. It was an enormous nine-foot by six-foot blank canvas. Because it was very low to the ground, you could see a child had done this. It chilled me, and my brother looked petrified. My brother and I both swore up and down that we didn't do it. What is it? Never come in here at night. Never. We were instructed by my father not to go in there at night. Come on, let's go. It was never an issue of whether I would go into that barn at night. And certainly not after the incident that occurred with the boy. <laughs> and later with myself sometime in the winter time. It was a particularly cold day and we heated the house entirely with wood, which meant there were massive wood boxes and they had to be stocked. My job was to keep them stocked at all times. And the firewood was stored in the barn. And it was a particularly cold day and the fires, we'd just burn up more wood than usual. And I kind of said, you know, I didn't want to go out and, and, and deal with it, but now it's dark. I've got to reload, you know, some of the boxes before we go to bed. And I knew that I did not want to go into that barn at night, but I had to do it. I had two canvas carriers and I had a flashlight that I sat on some old wooden crates so I could see what I was taking off and began to load them. And I thought I heard a sound maybe the wind, because it was 
blowing quite hard that night. And then it kind of changed, and it went from that kind of sound of the wind to more of like a... And I was suddenly filled with a kind of intense dread, and the hair kind of went up on the back of my neck. Because I realized what I was hearing was like a whispering. And what I really needed to do was to get that wood and get out of there as quickly as I could. The volume of the whispering, the intensity of the whispering became very aggressive. And I remember picking the flashlight up and kind of looking around the room, really where it was most audible. was the crossbeam, the center crossbeam. And then it moved from that to giggling. It was not friendly. It was not the sound of joy, of children playing and having a good time. It was threatening. I was petrified. And the giggling became louder and louder and louder. All of a sudden, the sound was no longer confined to the crossbeam. I was completely enveloped in the kind of sound. It was all around me. I was completely, completely surrounded. Now it was behind me. Suddenly, I just felt this hand this, upon me, something pulling me. I was terrified. I have never in my life been that frightened. And I ran. I ran for my life out of that barn. I sort of convinced myself that my brother had been doing this and this was him playing some kind of a nasty trick on me to scare me. I ran into the house, completely hysterical, crying, screaming, and I began to yell and rant about my brother like a crazy person. My father put his arms firmly on my shoulder and he said, your brother is in the living room and has not left the living room since you left this house. I understand. I understand. At that point, my father admitted his own fear of the building. It was the first time I ever saw any kind of vulnerability in my father's face. And it frightened me. And that's when it really brought it home to me 
There was no trickery involved. So what was it? What was it? My father was concerned. He began to sort of investigate around, ask questions of some of the local people. He went to the man that he had bought the house from, who was now a very, very, very elderly man. He told my father that the people that had owned the house prior to us, some 30 years before, it was a man and his wife, a couple of boys, and a girl. They lived a very, very austere life. It was a man who was a preacher. This man one evening had had a premonition that the world was going to come to an end. And so he drugged his wife and his children so that they were incapacitated and then took them one by one up into the loft and onto the crossbeam. The idea that a person would be so insane that they could do that was so abhorrent and so evil. That was the malevolence that emanated from that structure. Perhaps those children, their inability to be able to cross over was inhibited by their father who was such an evil entity. The giggling was not the giggling of children released from the burden of life on Earth. And that barn really ostensibly just became sort of a warehouse for unused things, broken machinery. But it was never used again as a studio. It was never used again as a place to play. It remains there today. In fact, our house burnt to the ground entirely, leaving nothing left but the barn. Hi, this is M.R. Gorga, author of Demons Among Us, Shocking Real-Life Stories from the Paranormal. And you're listening to Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast with Aaron Hunter. Welcome. I'm Aaron Hunter, purveyor of paranormal stories, the occult, and the unexplained. Welcome to RPA. I hope you enjoy your stay. Hey guys, Aaron here, and it is Monday, January 9th, 2023, episode 286. How's everyone out there around the world doing? And man, as always, glad to be back in the hot seat. And I hope everyone had a great and safe New Year's Eve, and hopefully you're having a a good New Year's start so far. And the Monday show is officially at season nine. Wow, eight years have passed by. It's just, it doesn't even seem like eight years. But yeah, we are now in season nine. And we couldn't have done it without you guys, and we love you. Thank you very much for uh, enjoying the show. And with that, just some simple announcements. Uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, 
A new episode of Aaron's Horror Show will be released, and Terry is out of the hospital, and he's doing well. And I'm not sure if he's going to have a new episode this Wednesday, so we'll see him soon. And other than that, you know, everything's nice and smooth. I stayed home, listened to the uh, scanners on New Year's Eve, listened to all the police officers uh, arresting all the drunk drivers and all that good stuff, fights. It's always a fun time. (laughs) And we are going to do more listener stories. We have a huge backlog, so we're going to get right on to it and put a dent into it. And for you new guys out there, if you have your own experiences that you would like to share to the world, just send it in to Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at realparanormalactivity.com. And if you guys haven't noticed, my voice is back. Yeah, I was out last week. I lost my voice on Monday. You know, Wednesday I started getting it back by Friday. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty good. So it's pretty much back. But yeah, for a while there, geez, it was pretty rough. All right. So with that, you know what that means. Oh, yeah, man. Come on. Come on. Say it with me. Say it with me. That's right. Two. The story then, follow me right this way, no pushing, no shoving, and the fires are going nice and toasty in here, and you guys know the deal. Grab a beanbag over there in the corner and find an empty spot on the floor. While you guys are doing that, get behind my desk here, get nice and comfy. Now I printed off Britt's packet, she sent me by email to see what stories she has picked out for us. Okay, we got uh, three medium ones, alright. Let me take a sip of my green tea real quick. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So good when it hits the lips. All right. The first one. This one is by Warped. And it's titled Shadow. Okay, Warped. Let's see what you got, man. It all began when me and my mother were driving home from some kid's party one night. And when we pulled up to the driveway, I had noticed a shadow-like figure in the kitchen window. We have left all the lights on due to my mom's paranoia of robbery. Anyway, my mom didn't notice because she was focusing on parking, but I kept staring at the shadow figure. It was just standing very erect and didn't move. When I got out of the car and ran to the front of the house and looked through the kitchen window, it was gone. But as I backed up, I slowly realized a shadow figure staring down at me from the upstairs window, which was my mom's room. I almost fell to the floor in shock and my breathing became difficult until my mom approached me, asking what I was doing because we usually enter the house from the back. I then said to my mom, I think someone's in the house. My mom was confused at first and slowly turned to panic as my horrified face explained the whole thing. For some reason, my mom called her friend Sarah and knocked on the neighbor's door, which was Debbie. Sarah arrived and Debbie had come out of her house. We all were standing outside the house. Debbie suggested me and her enter through the back while my mom and Sarah entered through the front. Upon entering, we had noticed my dog, Toby, behind the safety gate, excited to see us. And I was glad he wasn't hurt in any way. So, Sarah and Debbie ventured upstairs to see if anyone was still up there. Debbie yelled that no one was up there. Not even in my mom's bedroom or the kitchen. Although, in my mom's bedroom, there were very faint scratches behind the door. Sarah felt them and it was mud. Me, Mom, Sarah, and Debbie all stayed up until midnight, 
And Sarah went home while Debbie stayed over with my mom and I had found it very hard to sleep that night. But I had Toby with me. This is an experience I had been keeping to myself because it was truly horrifying and the worst part is I have anxiety which doesn't help with the whole thing. In the end, I blamed the fact that I barely got any sleep due to that party, the flashing lights and everything. It was a real nightmare. Thank you for taking the time to read. Have a nice day. And that was from Warped. Warped. Thank you very much for sharing. That's a great story. And I'm glad you... Um, sounds like you came to the conclusion that... Yeah, you might have been just uh, seeing things. Um, you know, the last sentence there. You know, lack of sleep. The party. All the flashing lights at the party. That sort of thing. Um... You know, especially if this sort of thing hasn't happened before, this is like the first time, and then the only time it sounds like is I think you would have said that it kept on happening afterwards, but you don't mention that. Uh, yeah, you know, it's quite possible. You know, not everything is paranormal. You could have been seeing things. No one else saw it. So, but the thing is, though, you know, if you had seen that, you know, it might have been two people. You know, you don't know if they're actually shadow people, right? It's a silhouette you're seeing. Uh, I would have called the cops. Yeah, there's no way I would have gone in there. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, call the cops, sit in the driveway, wait for them to come, that sort of thing. But hey, you did what you did. Yeah, warped. Thank you very much for sharing. And what's next? What do we got here? Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. This one is by Riley, and it's titled Blonde Girl. Okay, Riley, let's see what you got, man. I'm Riley. This is the only time I think I've experienced anything paranormal. I can't remember a lot of the details because this happened a long time ago. Anyway, one day I was at my friend's house. Her bedroom is in a hallway with a bathroom and her sister's room. So, if you walk by, you can't see the back of the room out of the corner of your eye. Now, my friend used to have a table in the back of her room, along with two decorative director chairs, but she moved those and added a shelving unit there instead. Anyway, I was walking by the hallway and out of the corner of my eye, I could see the back of her room. I saw the director chairs and the table there, even though my friend moved them. There was a little girl sitting in one of the chairs. She had blonde hair and I think she was wearing a dark pink dress. I could see her hands moving like she was making a craft or telling movement to a story. It also looked like she was talking to someone else who I couldn't see. Now, my sister and my friend's sister both had blonde hair, so I just thought it was one of them. And I saw all of this from the corner of my eye just walking past the rooms. So then, I thought, well, that's weird, aren't they in the garage? 
which they were, working on making their own car. Anyways, I went into my friend's room and looked in the back. The table and chairs weren't there anymore, and there was no fan running and no windows open, so there's no way there was anything making the movement. The new shelving unit my friend placed there was there, not the table and chairs. I later went to the garage and saw my sisters working on their car. I don't know if it was my imagination or a spirit. Thank you for reading my story. Love your podcast. And that's from Riley. Riley, ah, thank you very much for sharing. That's an interesting story. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you got some sort of glimpse back, I don't know, in time. Uh, You said your your friend used to have a table and chairs in the back corner of a room, but she moved that furniture away, probably put it somewhere else in the middle of the room or something, but in its place she put a you call it a shelving unit, you know, a bunch of shelves of some sort. And then you went back in. Well, well, during that time, uh, you know, when you were passing by, you saw the furniture in the corner, and then you saw this blonde little girl sitting there making gestures with her hand. It looks like she might be talking to somebody. But then you go back, and all of a sudden the furniture um, is not in the back anymore where you saw the little girl, but it's where it's supposed to be, and the shelving units are back in the corner. So some sort of, uh, yeah, that's just weird. That's a first. Uh, I never read a story like that before. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it, except for you got a glimpse back in the past of some sort where the, when the furniture was back in its original area and the shelving units weren't put up yet. And then you got the blonde girl. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to think about. Yeah, thank you again for uh, sharing, Riley. That's a good story. Yeah, that's interesting. Going to have to think on that one for a bit. All right. What's next? What do we got? Oh, just a quick announcement, too. Uh, For you new guys, I made an app for you guys for free because I love you guys. So if you don't have the app, you might as well download it. It's fully functional, full video capability. Um, Just do a search in your app store for Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. You'll see our, our iconic aqua blue eye. Yeah, download it for free. And you can also sign up for... Premium access through the app as well. $3.99 a month, unlimited access for the archive shows, for the Monday shows. All right, continuing on. This one is by Barbados, and it's titled House and Olin. Okay, Barbados, let's see what you got, man. My family and I came to live in North Carolina in February 2004. Used to live in a big old house in Elkin. However, Due to personal reasons, we wanted to move closer to Statesville. So we started looking for homes in the area and we got to Olin Loop, about 20 minutes away from Statesville. There were not that many houses there at that time. It was a new neighborhood with new houses. The house we decided to live in was still in the process of being built. The fall came and finally we moved into that house. We were so happy. It was a brand new house, new life, we would meet new people. Until one October night, I remember looking out the window and would see something running down the road back and forth. I thought it could be some crazy neighbor. I checked outside and nothing was there. This was just the beginning of many strange things that happened in that house. 
One night I remember I was at home watching movies in my room. My parents were outside the neighbor's house and suddenly I heard as if someone was outside knocking on the door. Again, there was no one, no wind, nothing. As time passed, I got used to this stuff happening. There were days when I had to go to sleep early. If not, I would have trouble sleeping. I would hear noises outside my house as if someone was running around the house, throwing glass bottles at the house. I would hear someone or something was under the house scratching something, which of course was crazy because we had no basement. Sometimes me and my brothers would sit and talk about it. They too had their experiences in that house. My mom would feel something jump on her bed. And at times there were noises in her bathroom. The doors would close by themselves. I remember at times I would just go to sleep in the living room since I felt safer there than in my room. Maybe because it was closer to my parents' room. But even then, at times, I would see ghostly figures. I always thought to myself, why here? If this house was brand new when we got it, why would it be haunted? I guess I will never know what was the deal there, as of now I'm living in a different house, a totally different area. Keep up the good work. And that's from Barbados, Barbados. Hey, that's a great story, man. Thank you for, very much for sharing. Uh, well, you know, to address this last comment, you know, it's a brand new house, why is it haunted? Well, it, I don't know why people think that a house has to be old in order for it to be haunted. It doesn't matter. Um, lots of things could happen. You know, one thing that you old timers know, I hate attachments, you know. All of a sudden, you know, let's just say in this case, it's a brand new house, you're an investigator, and you know, nothing's happening, you're investigating. All of a sudden, something takes uh, interest in you at one of your... Uh, investigations it falls you home and voila all of a sudden you know the next day your house comes alive <laughs> something followed you home yeah um, but then you also I always think you know in a brand new house brand new uh, construction new land right you know something could be wrong with the land you never know I mean, people talk about you know burial grounds things like that and then they, they start developing there and you know all of a sudden, uh, people start, either it's an office building that was just built or, you know, in this case, residential houses, and people start complaining about weird things happening. Yeah. They've always been there on the land. You just came along, and, you know, now you're noticing them. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of things could happen. But, yeah, it doesn't really matter the age of the building you're in. But, yeah, this is good. Your, your brothers are... You know, I always like it when other people are seeing things or experiencing things. Your brothers, you know, you sat down and talked to them about it. They're telling their experiences. Your mom's having some experiences, you know. Doors are closing. Yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah, thank you very much for sharing. And that is it, guys. That's all the stories. Man, a little short, but it was fun. Hopefully you guys uh, enjoy the stories. And just a friendly reminder that uh, we're on 30-plus different platforms, uh, such as iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, etc., etc. So if you're in the office or wherever you're at listening to one of those platforms, just do a search for us, Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast network, and add us to your favorites. So if you get tired of your own music and you want to get your spook on, 
there you go. And also, of course, the RPA app, stream anytime, anywhere. And of course, the old-fashioned way, realparanormalactivity.com. And with that, I am calling it. The show's been produced by myself and Britt, and is also made possible by LaFosse Corporation. And man, we love you. Oh yeah, we do. As always, thank you, and... 